Welcome everybody to the Robert John and the Wreck podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California that travels the world normally, eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Robert. And I'm Warren. Now the window's closed. <laughs> and, <laughs> there we go. That's Henry closing the window. And uh, yeah, welcome to uh, week four of the uh, Live from Quarantine series. Um, we're all quarantine. in our different... <laughs> Different areas and uh, doing a house party again. To yeah. uh, which and I think is working out well. Thanks for tuning in on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. yeah. How you doing, Britt? Britt, thanks for tuning in. What up? What up? Yeah. Hope everybody's doing good. And for all you guys listening on your respective podcast apps or Spotify, welcome, welcome, welcome to you too. Hope you guys are staying safe and uh, positive out there. Um, how was <laughs> war? Why don't you start, man? You had a pretty epic week. I did. Uh, I proposed to my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, on, on Easter, and she said yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. So, uh, oh, just uh, that, one of the things checked off the list there. I, I've had the ring for a little bit, and uh, I had something. I was going to plan something in in the end of March, and I had a date picked out. And then obviously all of this stuff happened and my plan kind of went to shit. And then I came up with a plan B. And at first I thought it would be weird to do it during the, the coronavirus the isolation type thing. But I think it was actually kind of cool. It was like good to like, every, it seemed like a lot of people were, I don't know, like we talked to a ton of people the, the other day and like we get to spend a lot of time together. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know seemed like a good time to do it. And uh, we both had a great time and got super drunk. And I've been really hungover all day today. You did it, man. I'm so proud of you. I did it. So happy for you guys. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been dating for over six years. So, uh, so yeah. A lot of people are like, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did it. I'm stoked. Well, well and, stoked. you know, nothing like a, uh, like a quarantine to, uh, to really – you know, fuel the fire of spending the rest of your lives together and stuff, you know? Yes. Like if, yeah. you, if, you, if, you, if you guys can make it through this, you can get through anything, you know? Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> How was your guys' uh, Easter weekend? Did you guys do anything? Mine was good. I, um, I haven't seen my whole family uh, together other than a parking lot for a few weeks, and I'm used to seeing my family a lot more because they all live very close, and I'm blessed that they do. Um, and so that's why I try to cherish the time that we can spend together. And, uh, I went over and played ping pong in the garage of my parents' place and my mom still beat me. Nice. Nice. I've never beat her ever in my life and she's 71 and I'm 31 and still have never beat her. So one day I hope to, but it was, it was at least nice to be a little, we, we didn't hug or kiss or anything. We were, we weren't touching each other, (laughs) um, you know, in, in a normal way that we would normally greet family members. Yeah. But um, it was still nice to see one another within, you know, the space allotted for, you know, the time being. So um, that was my weekend. Ping pong is a good, safe be? distance, she, too. I think she it was this final score was 21 to 16. Uh, so she got you pretty good. Yeah, but we don't need to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Henry, how was your weekend? Uh, it was it was good. I just did. See, Rob. Like, Played a bunch of guitar, like I've been doing, and watched uh, Netflix. And I'm getting caught up on uh, 
the Last Kingdom again. I'm watching everything again because season when four is, is out? coming out later this month, April 26th. Nice. You started April from season one. I did. I, I started. I'm on season three now. Nice. I'm watching like a couple episodes a night Damn. for the last. What has it been? A, a week and some change. Do you have yeah, the uh, like? Do you have the whole intro yeah. memorized yet? The opening monologue. Uh, no, because it's different every episode. It's true. Oh. I always skip. And Destiny. then he like, changes his name every time. Yeah, he'll, he says, Destiny is all. I am Uhtred, son of Uhtred. Son of Uhtred. <laughs> Destiny is all. I'm Uhtred, Ragnar. Destiny is all. Yeah, that's Ragnar. a great show, man. Um, yeah, just just plugging away, just writing some stuff and learning how to play a million guitar solos. Yeah, you've been killing it, dude. You got some good oh, ones. Thanks, man. You almost covered the whole entire Steely Dan catalog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did five. I'm gonna start with like the greatest hits, probably, and then branch out from there. What about nice. you, Steve? Um, yeah, I I worked on a lot of music uh, this weekend. Um, did another solo piano record, and then uh, another one. Yeah, Is that volume three. That's volume three, and I started on volume four, but then I started running out of ideas, so. Yeah, I've I've done uh, over fifty recordings since St. Patty's Day already, like finished. Damn, which is pretty cool. Um, and I got everything and- scheduled for Patreon <clears throat> for one weekly post for the next like three months. So that's good. And going to start on the next batch of content. And then uh, yeah, I've been FaceTiming with my family. They're they're all up in uh, Northern California. Um, it's been. <laughs> Pretty fun because uh, we've been FaceTiming with my nephew. So it'll be like me and my mom and my brother. And then my sister's just basically filming my nephew run around the house. And then my mom and brother are just kind of making faces at the kid. <laughs> so it's been riveting conversation. But it's been, it's been really nice to like be in the same virtual room with them. Because um, I was supposed to go up there two weekends ago. Um, and then all this shit happened and I didn't think it would be very wise to go and drive 400 miles and stuff. So, well, driving the aspect of driving, you're isolated. Yeah. But it's not by the time you got there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could, I could, I've got a Prius, so I could potentially make it in one trip, but I don't know. But yeah, I, uh, I made soup yesterday for Easter and that was really rad. It's my first time nice. making potato soup, so it was uh, potatoes and bacon and celery and carrots. And um, I didn't have any chicken broth, and I didn't want to go to the store, so I used some old like beef broth concentrate from uh, Japan. And uh, like the cubes? No, like there, it's like a little like uh, syrup thing that you pour into your noodles and stuff, and it makes it taste like a beef. <laughs> your noodles. Your noodles. And it was really good. And nice. uh, yeah, nice and cheesy. And it was awesome. And now I'm right. drinking go. my last Modelo. Steve well, so what are we man. drinking? What are we all drinking right now? Classic you go Steve, you're, goodness. Steve, you're drinking a Modelo? I am. Solid choice. I am drinking a uh, Sierra Nevada hazy little thing. Ooh. It's probably the first podcast I haven't had a docent on um, since we've been doing this. And that's just because I drank them all. <laughs> And I haven't had a chance to get some more. Um, so they're doing. Uh, they're doing the hazy, delivery though. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. but I just you know it takes time to put in an order and and everything like that. So yeah, yeah. 
I just didn't get a chance to do it and didn't realize I was out of beer. And so luckily I had these hazy little things. And if you haven't had them and you like hazy IPAs, they're delicious. If you're and from they Seattle, are, you probably don't like them. <laughs> and they're from Sierra Nevada. I feel like some people don't realize that that can is actually a Sierra Nevada can because it doesn't really look like it. Yeah, there's a, there's another brand that has uh, more of kind of oh, like what the I cans are. What are you drinking, Henry? Uh, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I'm drinking um, water with some sliced lemons and a slice of cucumber and some bitters. Ooh, seems like the healthiest option we've had so far. I'm just out of uh, beer, and I didn't feel like going to the store, so better because I'm really hungover. Um, but Warren's drinking water. We should. I want to have yeah, a. Exciting. I want to have like a button don't, don't, don't that every time it's like time. Warren's drinking water. Warren's drinking water. Warren's drinking boo 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 boo. boo. You know, It'll be fun. But since Robert had that Sierra Nevada, I have this other one, which is the fantastic Imperial IPA haze, which Ooh, I guess we'll is it. the. I will. All right, I'll drink it. Cheers. Well, actually, um, actually, this will be the tasting moment. Why don't you open that up, take a drink, and tell us how it is? Because I've never had that one either. All right, I, I'll tell you how it is. I feel like a lot of people haven't, and if you're listening to it, this is the Sierra Nevada Fantastic Haze Imperial IPA. It's a yellow can with green writing instead of a green can with, I think, yellow writing, which is what Roberts yeah. is. They're like brother and sister beer. But uh, I think that this one is a little darker um, than the one that you have. I I feel like yours is almost, I don't want to say like fruity, but almost borderline like tropical, not tropical. I don't know. Yeah. No, Just yeah, like sweeter, sure. I guess. This is, I think, is a little darker. So I feel like people who like IPAs might like this one a little bit more. And and to me, it doesn't even really taste like, maybe they don't call it a hazy IPAs. They just call it haze. But um, it's not as hazy as a hazy IPA is, if that makes sense. So <laughs> Sounds great. Right. So wh- one, out of, one out of 10, what would you give that beer for, a, for what you drink again? For what I drink again, um, I don't think it's bad. I give it like an eight. It's pretty good on no, the scale. No. Yeah, pretty good. Okay, well, I guess seven point five. Like, like where where decent? would you where like, would you rate like a Modelo though? A Modelo is for me is like like a, a nine because you know depending on the circumstances, a Modelo or a Pacifico can be like the most perfect beer of all. So you know, yeah, well, I think I think it, I think it, it all like, depends on the circumstance. Yeah, it like, does, I, yeah, like I would give, depends on the circumstance, and the circumstance that I would give this a seven point five would be I enjoy it, I don't mind it. If it was at somebody's house and in their fridge, I'd probably pull it out. Um, I don't know if I would get it every. If single you were time. allowed to, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would get it every single time I went to the store. If I did get it, I wouldn't be that bummed. You know, it's kind of like not a horrible option. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, that's cool. And so just to uh, let everybody know who is watching or listening, the reason why you haven't, A, heard Andrew's voice or seen Andrew on the live stream is because he is not with us currently. He's uh, creating some great content with our producer, Jeff, and uh, he's hopefully going to be joining in towards the end of this episode. Yeah. So I know a lot of you are really worried right now about where he is, and that's where he is. He's um, not with us no fear. virtually, but he he's will still be alive us. and healthy and doing okay. He's he's busy working on really cool band stuff, which <laughs> is gonna we will share with you when it's done. Yeah, hey yeah, which is cool. Speaking yeah. of uh, band stuff, hey, yeah. Henry, what do you uh, what do you got for us yeah. tonight, Henry? 
Are you talking to me? I am talking to you. Are you yeah, we have talking to, use, to me? We have to use names because we can't see who you're looking for. Boy, for. have I got something for you guys. I've got some really great stuff for you guys today. Um, I want to show you a band that is called Sir Lord Baltimore Hell from yeah. uh, New York City. Sir Lord Baltimore, Hello? huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. we're, we're is this a new oh, band okay. or an old band? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're an old band. They're from the early 70s. Um, I'm going to show you a song off their 1970 record, Kingdom Come. And uh, they are technically the thing to be categorized as heavy metal. Hmm. Cool. Supposedly. That's that's what is is supposedly the thing. Uh, they're also called the Godfathers of Stoner Rock. Uh, they were a power trio with a singing drummer. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, they basically, you know, just another band that got a record deal and it just didn't blow up for them. They were supposed to blow up. Uh, it was the end thing at the time. And they're just, you know, a lower tier hard rock heavy metal band, but they have, like, very ahead of the curve for what they were doing at the time. And radical, like, obnoxious 70s rock uh done in a really cool way and uh this song is called master heartache right on and, yeah. Uh, yeah go ahead
Yeah. That was rad. Dude, that's awesome, man. Do you think they recorded that to a click? <laughs> Dude, totally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude, I can totally see, though, like, <laughs> like I would lose my fucking mind if I saw that at a live show. Like, it's just like, it's over. And then it's like, no, it's not. Lala! Like, ah! it just keeps going. Key changing and shit. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, for that, that little yeah. thing that they tag at the end is <laughs> so cool. Yeah. The yeah. modulation thing. That's awesome, man. Sir Lord Baltimore like from New York City. esque vocal, right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. was that Steve? Yeah. I was saying just Sir Lord Baltimore from New York City, 1970. That's yeah. right. Brooklyn, nope. New York, 1970. Sir, Sir Lord Baltimore. That's awesome, man. I think it got some yeah. crazy like opening slots. Like they opened for like I don't know Zeppelin or something like that. And I don't know. Let me see. That would have been a hell of a. Bill. Did they only have sure. two albums? Uh, they had a couple. Pretty sure. I, I noticed that there's only two on Spotify, so I, I wasn't sure of how many they. They probably are two like legit records that they put out that were like the actual original lineup that are actually like kind of their vibe, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't really know. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. They had like two records, basically, and they got back together in the two thousands for some sort of reunion thing. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice, that's awesome. That's a cool band. I had to run for the last probably a couple of seconds of that song to use the it's bathroom. Okay. It's okay, Robert. I know you didn't like it. It's fine. No, I was gonna say I really did like it, and um, <laughs> this might be a little too personal for some of the listeners. But I know that you guys know this person, and I, I know that you guys know Jason from Docent. Yeah, yeah. Sinner Sunday, um, Holy J. And I could, hearing that whole song, I could just picture him being the lead singer of that band. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really like, like I these just, guys, too. That's just, he really I, likes yeah, I, think, I think he does. He, uh, he said something on Instagram, but when he said, you know, oh yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely a Jason band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you guys but, don't know who uh, who Jason Holy J Center Sunday is, um, Robert and I went and did a uh, a little pre recorded shindig in uh, down in San Juan Capistrano for Docent Brewing, and uh, it was really cool. And you can check out that interview and uh, a couple live acoustic tracks, live recorded acoustic tracks. On their Instagram at Docent Brewing, which was really fun. Yeah, and uh, and Jay was the uh, was the host for it for the for the Docent sessions. It was fun. Came out yeah. great. That was a great song. I like that song, Henry. I didn't Thanks. leave because I wanted to. No, I, I was joking. I, I was just joking. My body I'm totally joking. My body joking told me I I had to. I figured you had a more important reason than yeah. Aren't you outside right now, though, Bobby? That's why I had to go inside. Oh, because I can't, I can't urinate out here. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you could. Well, just water the plants, man. You know. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't get to the plants that need to be watered from the level of my <laughs> patio. To I'm sure you it's, can, it's, sure it's, you can it's find all a about way. Physics. Life all always about finds physics. a way, Bobby. That's fine. Life always finds a way. Yeah. And. uh just to preface, I guess, which would be the next segment, is that um, we have a special guest coming on in a few minutes, along with Andrew, that we are excited to have on the podcast, who hasn't been on the podcast before, but has also <laughs> had a, a, a vital part in the sounds that you've heard on our records for the past four um, 
pieces of music that yeah. we've released just uh as a you know something to get you excited about our guest um but in the meantime before they're ready to go steve should we uh talk about some memories from the road that we wish that we could uh have right now yeah i guess i'll start man i uh i miss so here's so here's here's the little preface this here is that uh just we're just gonna reminisce real quick and just uh list uh one thing we'll start with one thing each just of what we miss about uh pre-covid life the uh <laughs> the thing that i miss about pre-covid life other than like the you know obvious like playing shows going to bars uh you know being able to be in the same room as as a large group of your friends or a medium or small size group of your friends um for me i think would be going to the movies Mm. Like I miss going to movie theaters, man. Um, I, I go see a lot of movies by myself most of the time. Um, and there's a great little movie house, uh, down the street from where I live. And, uh, and I, I used to love just a movie house. like, <laughs> Oh, a movie house. Yeah. See, movie house. it's, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I go to the picture show, but I used to love like just, you know, getting up, Doing some emails and stuff, maybe knocking some stuff off my to-do list, and then just going and catching a matinee for like six bucks over there. And then, you know, come back in the afternoon, work a little bit more, and then go out and work some more playing playing gigs. But it was really nice to uh, to be able to do that, and we can't do that right now. So, anyway, that was mine. <laughs> and And that's interesting because I haven't even thought once about if movie theaters were open or closed. Yeah, <laughs> obviously they would be because everyone's sitting next to each other in a small, in a small theater doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, but you are the movies much more than I do, obviously. Yeah, and um, I never even thought about if movie theaters were open or closed. Yeah, so what was the last time that you went you, to a movie you, you, in the theater? Oh God, I don't know. Probably like The Force Awakens. Nice. So that wasn't too that was, long that was ago, right? One. That was a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, but compared to how many movies Steve sees. That's a long time. Yeah, I'll go like twice. Steve, a week. what was the last thing you saw? Uh, I think the last one I saw was Rambo, like the new Rambo movie. Um, There's a new Rambo out. movie. Yeah, it came like it a came, brand like Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Rambo? it came out in. Uh, it came out in I want to say like November. Um, it's been a while since oh. since I've I've even been to the theater um, because we were busy working on the new record and then. Uh, prepping for tour and I was trying to, you know, work and save money for, you know, all summer and the whole tour season and stuff. So, uh, I didn't go as much as I would have liked to, but I much rather be making music and, uh, creating and working on stuff and touring with you guys, but I still miss going to the theater. It was a nice little break from the day, you know, get out of your head for a little bit and you can kind of turn, you're supposed to turn your phone off. So I'm like unreachable for two hours, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're if you're the proper movie goer, then you don't leave your phone on. Yeah. During the movies. Yeah. As you are, because I definitely texted you or called you multiple times, and you said, "Hey, either a I didn't see it because I was in the movies, or yeah. hey man, I'm in the movies. Oh, I can't call hey. you." Right. What up? Hey. Maybe, maybe that's I the snuck only one into the house. Awesome. Yeah. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Welcome, Welcome. Andrew. How was the rest of the podcast? It was good. It's been going good. We were just uh, just reminiscing about pre-COVID life and listing 
things that we miss about life before. And my pick was uh, movie theaters. Movie theaters. Yeah. And like going I to think, picture houses, you know? I think my pick, <laughs> as dumb as it sounds, is just being able to go out to eat. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that was a big staple yeah. in my yeah. life. We were on, the, on the move so much. And just like going out to eat to me is taking that same break that, say, like going to a movie theater is. Mm. Where it just allows you to sit there for an hour and not do work, where the whole time I'm just trying to work the whole time. So if I have to be somewhere and eat, then I can be there and enjoy myself. But if I'm just somewhere and can't do anything, you know, you still feel like you want to play with your phone and stuff. But going out to eat was definitely one of the ones where I would definitely like, okay, can't touch my phone. I'm out to eat. I need to make sure everything's going on here. Yeah, but I miss it. I miss going to. I miss like getting steak. I miss yeah. steak. I need to start cooking it again. Yeah, by a hey, cast iron skillet. Hey Warren, uh, how was your steak experience? <laughs> uh, I, so we got uh, last night. We got Mastros to go. Ooh, by nice. the time we, by, by the time we went to cook it, we were both pretty drunk, and uh, I vaguely remember. There was two steaks. One of them was cooked really well. It tasted great. And the other one was undercooked. And like the, the rest of the night's kind of a blur. But uh, yeah, it was the first time. Like, I mean, there's no better feeling than like smelling that sear and having that cast iron pat, pan super hot. And mm. uh, yeah, I, I, I should, we should go get some steaks and cook them up here pretty soon. But anyway, kind of diverged off the original thing there. I guess I'm I can sure go next. We already but, talked about Warren uh, getting engaged. Congratulations! Yeah, yes, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. Two down, three to yeah. go. Yeah, What's, up, yep. What's up, Jeff? How you Hi, doing, man? Jeff, welcome, welcome, bro. Hey, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. I was telling Jeff that everyone's heard my voice and might see my dumbass face, but uh, I'm just gonna give him the headphones for the time being, and you guys can talk directly to Jeff. Okay. Cool. Sounds good, man. Cool. What's up, fellas? What up, bro? Hey, yeah. Hey. Miss you guys. Miss yeah, you too, man. Miss you too. I feel like uh, Jeff needs a proper introduction, and I feel like, Steve, you might be the best person to do that. Oh, thanks, man. So, everybody, this is You're the welcome. legendary Jeff Frickman. Uh, Jeff has been a part of the Robert John and the Rec team for the last three now studio records. And the uh, live from Hawaii, and Jeff has co-produced these records with us, and uh, mixed uh, "Take Me Higher" and the live from Hawaii record, and our new record "Last Light on the Highway." And uh, he is the man with the plan that gets us sounding the way that we do for your ear holes. Welcome, Jeff. Yes. Yes. Those are important. Really important. <laughs> So profound. Out of all the holes, there's there's some of the most important holes. Oh, they have. they are the most important holes, man. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> Not everybody can say that, but you know, for me, <laughs> that's how it works. So, yeah. Jeff, you have to let them know what you're drinking, because we do a segment where uh, we all try the same whiskey, but because we're out of town now, we have everyone has to show what they're drinking. So, what okay. Drinking? Also, well, also, Andrew Jeff, brought it. Was that the Suntory? Yeah, that was Toki by nice. Suntory. Oh, kind of tastes like scotch. This one's a little uh, old, so it's uh, it's almost like got a honey thing to it now. Do you get that? Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I told Andrew that um, I had to be paid for my interviews in ice love and sandwiches, but he brought whiskey. <laughs> yeah, 
What's the, that's the, the next best thing. That, that's one of the most important things that I think I was introduced to during our report recording process was that was the, when we did Take Me Higher, that was the first time I've ever had Ike's. And I can say Same. that that sandwich definitely yeah. changed my life. So shout yeah. out to Ike's. Same. Yes. We need an Ike's endorsement. Oh, God. Yeah. That would be amazing. Look us up. Steve said he'll shave his head and then grow a goatee to look like Ike. <laughs> I, I would do that. There you go. I would do that. If, if we could get a sandwiches for life. Oh, my God. That would be great. How about that Dutch crunch, bro? Uh, God, that Dutch crunch is so good. I miss Ike's. That's what I miss. Yeah. Uh, right. They were talking about what what's one thing missed from pre-COVID life that it's just like a normal occurrence that you miss in your life now. Yeah. Uh, playing pool. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, that's an easy question. I play a lot of pool for people who don't know me. And Jeff's an I'm incredible in, uh, like league and stuff like that. So I, I play probably 20 hours a week. Damn. Kind wow. of obsessed. I knew you liked pool, but I don't even know you played that much pool. Yeah. Wow. That's like a part-time I beat him job. before, but he was really drunk. So <laughs> <laughs> I was also really drunk. So I don't think he, either he did this drink. to me and I lost. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What was I going to say? But after pl- I, I feel like uh, me and Robert and Steve, to some extent, have gotten really good at pool after playing it in bars for over 10 years. Being on tour. Yeah, I think there, there's definitely a sweet a spot for me. Uh, if, I, if I haven't drank, I'm completely terrible. And if I drank too much, I'm completely terrible. So it's that like maybe second drink in where for some reason I get yeah. angles. It's, there's you know? definitely a fine line. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a peak and a valley. You know, you start to go back down after drink four. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's three or four for yeah. me. That's when I do this. You you have the first two drinks to gain confidence. So when you're looking at a shot, you're like, I got this, and then you normally sink it. But then you it's keep like, drinking, and then two more. Then you're like, I got this, and then I, yeah. I, wait, I okay. <laughs> I, I got this. I got this. I got chicken wings. <laughs> Oh, the chicken wings are here? Okay, hold, yeah. hold the table. Hold the table. I'll be right back. Right. Hang on. Okay, so I was thinking of that because uh, <laughs> I was telling Jeff about the podcast that we're going to do, which we kind of haven't even told people about yet. We should no, tell them no about it. Let's do it. The Monday before the record is released, we're going to listen to it live on the podcast. The whole new record, that is. And then we're going to talk about it with Jeff, if he'd be willing, which he already said he was, especially with all these... Uh, no one's really doing much these days. <laughs> Let me check my calendar. Okay, yeah, I'm available. Uh, so I thought tonight, instead of talking about the record, because we're going to do that a lot um, the Monday before it comes out, let's talk to Jeff about who Jeff is. Let's get to know the real Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you let's all my secrets. know the real Jeff. But I've been interviewing Jeff for the past half hour, so why not... Uh, and I feel like I've hung out with Jeff the most out of anyone, uh, mostly just because I live closer than all you guys. Uh, why don't you guys uh, figure out some questions about Jeff that you've always wondered? I feel like Warren's pretty inquisitive, so why don't we start with Warren? <laughs> Warren, shoot. <laughs> okay. Well, That's a lot of pressure, I mean, Warren. That's a lot of pressure. I guess I could, I could start with kind of an obvious one is when did you start getting into, like, audio engineering specifically recording and did you get into 
I know that you do stuff in production. Did you get into a production thing first and then kind of got into recording or have you always done everything that you can do as far as anything that has to do with a digital audio workstation? I, I choose answer B. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like, no, I always have had kind of a, a dual path career. I've, I've always done music in some capacity. I was a working musician when I was 17 years old. I was playing in bars when I was too young to drink back in Cincinnati and got involved with sound then like any musician would, you know? So um, I kind of knew early on, I actually knew when I was nine years old that I wanted to be an audio engineer. And it's a funny story. My, my dad, um, my dad, rest of soul, was, uh, he died when I was 11, not to be a, down, a downer. But before he died, one of the things he did was um, buy a quadraphonic audio system for the living room. And so I grew up listening to quadraphonic recordings of big band records and all this really cool stuff. And he was an audiophile. He had an appreciation for it, but he was never an engineer or a musician. And uh, after he died, actually, like right when he died, it was when I started playing drums. And uh, But I remember telling my dad when I was like nine years old that I wanted to be the guy in the studio that pushes the buttons and turns the knobs and makes it sound good. I don't, I, and I don't even, I don't know how that, I knew that that person existed, but somehow I knew that that, that, that was a, a thing that you could do. And that's mm. what I wanted mm. to do. Interesting. And see, again, that seems like a, a really young age to, like you said, to know, to like, to do that. I feel like it's obvious, like, drums bass guitar keys all of like the rock band stuff sits out front but at that at nine to be like oh like i there's also somebody else like just as important behind the scenes doing stuff here to make sure that these sound great and i don't even think i even thought really about engineering until i got like at least into my late teens before i like really really started thinking about that so that's that's pretty cool that you knew that at such a young age yeah and when i when I grew up listening to all these bands, like Toto was one of my favorite bands growing up and uh, the tubes and Pink Floyd. And I knew who engineered all of those records when I was a kid, I read those credits. I, I found out as much as I could about those people, not just the musicians, but the engineers, it was the whole, you know, the producer, the engineer and the, and the musicians, those were all important to me growing up. Totally. And I feel back then, sorry, just chiming on here that um, it was like, it was definitely more of, I mean, the producer has always been more of a unit role, but like, yeah, you could get that Glenn, John, Andy, John's sort of sound. And like they, at the time recording was still relatively new and obviously we got into the digital realm, but they were doing things, inventing techniques that are still used today. And so I feel like that, time of probably when you were learning all that stuff is a really formative time not only for you but for recording and what was going on and what people were doing on tape and all that sort of stuff right and i was thinking about this today i mean i I was born in 1965 and i was a kid in the 70s and i grew up listening to all this stuff when it was coming out when it was current when it was breaking when these guys when these guys were inventing this stuff like Zeppelin and, and people like that. And I feel like I was lucky to be born at that time. And I became an engineer at the right time as well. When we were still using tape, I used to cut two inch with a razor blade, two inch audio tape, you know, <laughs> used to splice drum tracks together that way. Wow. You know, 
before Pro Tools right. was even yeah. a, a thought. So <laughs> to to have that heritage is really important, especially recording a band like you guys, you know. And to uh, to answer the other part of your question, I've also always had a relationship with film or television as well, where I was doing either film post-production, mixing films and doing Foley and ADR and sound effects and then mixing actual films or, uh, you know, like later in my career in 1995, I made the transition into live TV mixing and I've been doing that steadily ever since. And that's, you know, that's really my main gig. Um, you know, doing music is still, you know, a second career that runs alongside that. Pretty good for a second career. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's pretty amazing. Thanks. I have so, a question. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, I just, I mean, if we're all going to, you know, ask Jeff a question right now, I have a question. Um, I know how, from from my point of view, I know how you kind of gotten involved in what we're doing, but I've never heard your side of how you came to be a part of what we're doing, like what, what we've, what we've done in the past to, to create what we're doing right now. And so my question would be, you know, it, it, from your standpoint, how did you come across us and get to the point where we are working with you now on the past, like four records? Gotcha. Um, well, we talked about this in an, in an interview that we just did, but oh, okay. um, it, it's uh, it's a funny story, and I, I've told it many times. It's I just happened to wander into a club called uh, Hotel Cal- Cafe in Hollywood on a Friday night, and I, I have this funny thing that I say to the doorman when I go there, and he goes, "Who are you? Who are you here to see?" And I say, "Everyone and no one." So I guess the money that I pay at the cover. The cover charge I get gets split evenly, or they just keep it. I have no idea. Huh, but anyway, nice. um, and I wandered in there, and you guys were playing, and you were already playing, I believe, when I walked in. You know, I missed maybe the first song or two, and I was just like, "Who the fuck are these guys, man?" And it was just this energy and this sound and this just raw, you know, like performance. And and you guys were all just good, and you were on it, and it was awesome. And I had to come come up and talk to one of you afterwards, and it happened to be Andrew. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I would love to record you guys. <laughs> I, I was just I was just curious how many how many bands you would you know I mean were you working with a ton of bands at the time? Uh, have, have you you know how many how many bands were you working with, or or were you? I wasn't kind of actually. Playing? I probably wasn't working with. I was working with very few at the time. But I had come off of a about a six year stint of writing music for television. So uh, I had a I have a partner who actually plays guitar with Justin Bieber. His name is Tom Straley. Super super good guy, great guitarist, and he and I wrote um, probably a hundred pieces of music for television in about a six year period, and all of it ended up on the air. So that was kind of fun. Nice. nice. So I was doing a variety of different types of music at that point. We were doing everything from rock to Latin to island music to um, you name it, you know, blues, whatever. It was it was trying to fill in, you know, we it was the TV show Let's Make a Deal. Mm-hmm. 
So we had about half of the music on the sh- on that show for a long time, and that kept me really busy for that and TV mixing. I was actually mixing the show and producing music for it at the same time for quite a while. Wow! Wow! So, I got a question. Anyone um, else? So with uh, with post production audio, and uh, especially with with your work uh, in cinema. Um, what is the craziest sound that you've had to Foley? <laughs> like what's the craziest sound that you've had to create? To Well, the, the most, probably the most interesting thing Foley wise is, do you know how they get the sound of footsteps on snow? No. In the Foley room? Is it with lettuce? Cornstarch corn on the ground and you walk huh. on it and it sounds just like snow. It's huh. incredible. Huh. And it makes a mess, <clears throat> but it, you walk on cornstarch to do snow footsteps. Nice. Huh. Yep. I love the idea that there is, there is a, there's a, th- like sounds are, and I feel like there, a lot of people don't realize, but the sounds that are, that are mostly on, on movies and everything, A is all re-recorded, even like this, the dialogue and stuff. But it's so funny to me to think that people make, make sounds imitate sounds of other things like by putting cornflakes on the ground instead. And I guess it does, it's not practical to have a recording studio out in the snow where you can do that sort of stuff, but it's so funny. It's like, Oh, you have to find different ways to make the exact same sound with, and I've, I've heard like, isn't like punching, like they'd like slap meat around or there's all sorts of different weird shit that they do. And so oh, yeah, it's, it's a whole, uh, there's a whole science behind being a Foley artist. Uh, one of the things that they do that I discovered when I actually recorded a good Foley artist for the first time was um, whenever you handle a gun on camera, there's always a tiny little bit of a rattle to it. Mm -hmm. They want to give it some sort of sonic presence. So they use a doorknob that's like screwed together. That's taken out of a door and they just rattle that a little bit in front of the microphone. And that's what gives a handgun (laughs) presence in in a film. That's awesome. Wow, and and yeah. so on, on on Steve's end from that, just because now I'm just interested. Do you is there any percentages out there of like how many things that you see in a movie like are pre-record like are recorded again? Like, I mean, is it every time someone takes a gun out of a holster in every movie that is that is it's that is all the place. It's everything is right, but the dialogue <clears throat> is fake. Sometimes even the dialogue is fake. Right. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. they re-record the dialogue. Although that that was a trend for a while. Like um, I think the movie Backdraft was entirely re-recorded dialogue. Wow. Huh. And when you do that, you definitely lose something in the performance when mm-hmm. you don't have the actors mm-hmm. uh, in front of each other and they're not really in character. They're in a recording studio and there's a microphone in front of them and there's a monitor and there's a screen that has words on it or whatever it loses something so when you know when you lose production sound you definitely lose a lot of the performance and you never get that back but i think they've i think the movie backdraft was kind of an experiment in that way uh and i think people have gotten away away from it you know the mark of a good sound mixer on a film set is no adr that's their motto adr is what they call it when you re-record the dialogue later stands for automatic dialogue replacement and hmm. it's anything but automatic. Yeah. <laughs> you literally have to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, 
I have a question, which is what what in live TV? So sort of explain what you do on live TV because it's different than just recording audio, I guess, right? Uh, it's it, it's live TV audio, which is almost more like a musical or more like mixing a live show, right? And then what are some crazy stories from live TV that you could tell us that don't incriminate anyone or make anyone look bad? <laughs> well, can I incriminate them if they're no longer with us? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, uh, I'll, I'll tell the incriminating story and then I'll talk about TV audio. I, when <laughs> I first started in TV, I was assisting out on the floor uh, for the Jerry Lewis telethon. And I believe 96 at CBS and the other guys on the show that had worked with him before were telling me, Jerry likes to steal microphones. He's got a thing about stealing microphones. And we had this uh, harmonica player on the show and he wanted a special omnidirectional microphone. And it was this really sexy looking little sure um, I forget the model number, but it was a really cool little silver thing. And mm-hmm. it was on a mic stand back by the uh, backstage, what we call A2 world, which is where the audio assistants are on the floor and they keep all the wireless microphones and they change batteries and all that kind of stuff. It's their workstation. And it was back there and Jerry Lewis was lurking and we're all kind of standing around going, why is Jerry Lewis lurking back here by the audio area? You know, and then finally he goes, I can't steal anything with you guys standing around here looking at me like that. <laughs> he, he wanted that microphone really bad. <laughs> and he's a whole collection of microphones at, at his house that he had stolen from TV shows. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so odd. At some point, you might just like buy two of them to make sure you had an extra one. Jerry well, if he was, was fucking steal. Jerry Lewis. He could afford as many microphones as he wanted. Oh, yeah. he, he just enjoyed stealing them. And it's funny to think, I wonder if he even did anything with them. Like, did he just steal them to like I think have them or no, like, did he actually he have a the, studio? And he'd like, I don't think he had a studio. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I would assume he probably didn't, but it seems like a weird collection. Yeah. Finally, I can record my voice with a thousand microphones. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had a thousand inputs on my console. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doing live TV, which is, my main gig is a completely different animal from uh, doing a record or doing a film. So it's, you know, it's been great because I've had a lot of different, I've worked in different um, realms and, and it's just a completely different workflow. When you're doing a TV show, you have people on stage with wireless lavalier microphones, which are omnidirectional. They pick up everything. So you're, you're fighting leakage into those uh sometimes you'll have a band like i do the late late show with james corden and when james comes out at the top of the show he's wearing a wireless lavalier microphone and the band is screaming loud into that thing Mm -hmm. and when you go from no band to or when you go from no james microphone and just just band to now opening james on top of the band it's like it's the hardest transition that you can imagine (laughs) to make that smooth, you know? So you're, and then you've got this crazy loud audience that's leaking into the, to the dialogue microphones. So it's a, it's a totally different challenge. It's not as controlled as doing a record, you Mm -hmm. know, in that respect, doing a record is easy because everything's in its own space. 
especially here. I've got all these nice rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So you're talking about the challenges, and then you talked in the past about how um, how different it is to work with like talent. And we don't have to talk about anyone in particular, but you're not only working with all of these obstacles working against you, but now you have a host that you have to keep happy. You have to have all these other players sort of involved that it makes it very, it's like a team sport. You're you're now on this huge team of people that have to make this thing happen. Everyone has their own personality. Everyone wants their things done a certain way. And it, it, it sounds like a much more of a, a challenge to work with that many people. Cause I feel like a record um, usually doesn't have that big of a cast, if that makes sense. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not, it's not as big of a cast when you're working in TV, you have the talent that you're dealing with. You have producers that can have really big egos, you know? So yeah, you, you know, there's a, a huge political side to, managing that situation and keeping yourself employed, Mm. you know, not pissing anybody off, not doing the wrong thing. And sometimes just saying the wrong thing, you know, you, so you got to be really careful how you present yourself, what you say, if you have an issue, how you present that issue to the client, you know, it goes far beyond the technical side of it. And the technical side of it is huge. You know, there's way more channels that you're dealing with, way more audio paths that you're dealing with, in that situation than doing a record. How, how many channels normally for, for like, say something like a, like James Gordon or something? Well, let's say, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to remember, but you know, if you're doing a show with a band, um, like we'll use James Corden as an example. We've got a, um, monitor mixer that's mixing in ears for the house band and the guest bands. And he's got two seventy and two seventy two input Yamaha consoles. Wow. You have the front of house mixer who's mixing all of that. He's got two seventy two input consoles. Um, then you've got a music mixer down in another room. He's recording the the, band, the house band and the guest band on a multi track system, mixing them and playing them back if necessary. Uh, you have a sound effects guy who's playing any buzzes or dings or any kind of sound effects into the show. You've got three people out on the floor who are managing the bands and the talent. So it's a, it's a big group of people. Wow. Uh, and it's a lot of gear. It's, it's a lot of inputs. And all of that stuff gets multi-tracked so that it can be, it can be changed later. Mm. And it's all the dialogue microphones, all the audience microphones, all of the videotape playbacks, all of the sound effects – all of the bands, it's all multi-tracked all the time. Wow. So it's a lot of shit. Wow. Damn. And you have intercom. You have this huge intercom system so that everybody can talk to each other during the show. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot like a, a Broadway mm-hmm. show. You know, things have to happen. Sets have to move. Lights have to happen. Talent has to come out at the right time all of that stuff. So we're all working in unison and and that's the best part of it is that you're working with a, a huge team of people that are all at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. It's got to feel like, um, like a huge, like, yeah. The only thing I can equate it to in my mind is like a musical where everything has to happen on cue, except you're doing the same musical every night and you're having, you have a completely different show every night for the most part. Right. You have different cues. You have everything changes every night. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a, a, a whole big ass group of people has to work together in order to make something like this happen. It doesn't just happen. All those people are extremely talented. So, and then you got to roll with the punches, and I'm sure you know fix problems on the fly and do all those kinds of things. Yeah. No, they don't want to wait for us. And that's another thing that you do when you do audio for television is as you build, um, you build build escape plans into your setup or you build backup. Um, if you're doing a live show, you almost always double mic their, your host. Mm. Sometimes you'll double mic everybody, so they're wearing two wireless mics instead of one. Stuff like that. So if if it drops out, and they do that in Broadway as well. Um, I actually saw Les Mis at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, and the. Uh, lead singers or the, the lead characters mic went out and within a second they were in the backup wow and i heard it i heard it drop out for a second i knew exactly what happened <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff crazy. is crazy yeah yeah what bands do you like now i feel like you said you grew up on some great 70s stuff what what are you into now because I, I i'm constantly sending text messages about music we're constantly going back and forth about jazz stuff and uh other rock and roll stuff, but you're still an active participant in finding new music, which I think is great. Yeah, I try. It's so hard. I mean, there's just so much out there. There's so much good stuff out there. And I've really kind of become a jazz nut lately. I mean, um, I love Medeski, Martin and Wood. Um, they just did a, and I sent this to Andrew. There's this, if you look up on uh, YouTube, there's a a thing called Bandemic, and it's um, John Schofield, John Medeski, uh, Billy Martin, and a bass player named Schaefer, I think his last name is. I don't know. He's he's new to the group. It's usually Chris Wood, but um, I guess Chris wasn't available or was afraid of germs or something. But anyway, they went to a studio, and they did a video and a recording, and it's just beautiful. It sounds great. It looks great, and the music is just stunning and those guys are some of my favorite musicians on the planet there's another band out of australia that i really love that is current called boy and bear and i just happened to hear one of their tunes on apple music one time and and looked them up i mean it was that good and i was like who who are these guys mm. and i dug really deep into that they did a, a record at peter gabriel's studio and they, they've they're i don't think they've even toured the u.s but Really, really good. Great, great, great songwriting. Uh, there's so many. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. You're a big Snarky Puppy fan, right? Yes. Um, that whole group of people, um, Snarky and the people that have come out of there, that's a really, really cool thing. Uh, Larnell Lewis and Rob, um, Robert Seawright are two of the most amazing drummers on the planet. Um, Nate Wood also. Um, Nate Wood's yeah. a good boy. Sorry, beating on the table. Oh, it's all good. Kneebody um, is another fantastic group. Uh, Nate Wood is the drummer from that, and he's just a monster musician. We played with Nate Wood's dad. Did we tell you about that? Yeah, we've talked about the fact that, that he came from that area. Yeah, he's from Laguna, where uh, Robert lives. Yeah. And his dad was the musical director for uh, Kenny Loggins for... 10 years or something, oh, wow. 10, 15 yeah. years. Well, I've worked with Kenny Loggins. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they were in a honk. Beth and, and Steve were in honk that did uh, the soundtrack for five summer stories, which is a big surf thing, especially like in Southern California. 
honk. And the honks, I think they still play it like the coach house every night. Yeah, now yeah, they fight. do. They do like a once fight. a year show at the coach house. I think, I think, I think me and Andrew were there for that show. Were, were we? That was the when uh, we were watching Robbie, Robbie's band open up. Wasn't that that? Maybe not. Oh, uh, hey. Speaking about knee body, I'm just gonna diverge off this uh, uh, for a second. Jeff, I, I gotta send you this thing if you're into them. They have this YouTube video where they they have these like musical conversations and different rhythms or different licks cue certain people to do certain things, and they can have hmm. these full on. Uh, and it gets super, super technical too. Like each person in the band has their own, like their own uh, name, I guess you could say, which is like a rhythmic pattern or something. Mm. So like, and right. like they have a way of being able to it's pass. It's almost solos. like a musical language. It's it's crazy, and it's so like it's so their style of stuff. I'll have to pull up the link and, and send it somewhere. But um, yeah, totally. When yeah, it. those guys are just at the. It's such a sounds like something top fun of their to do mushrooms game. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, was I not allowed to say that? I'm sorry. You can oh, say no, that you were. You yeah, definitely allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, now we're good. Anyway, yes, the 55 year old bald guy does mushrooms. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we get our sound so good? That's why. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't doing mushrooms when I mis- mixed the record. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like, Jeff, this sounds terrible. What? <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like shit. Really? <laughs> but it feels great. Yeah. I love great. how these knobs <laughs> feel, man. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. I don't know if you've seen all the all the stuff that's coming in. A lot of the reviews of the new album have been very, very, uh, very, very good. All the I've reviews actually that read quite a few of them. Nice. Yeah, it's really nice to read, you know, um, my favorite quote was the guy from MNVN. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Find it. I'm sorry. I forget your name, but um, <laughs> he said after the first listen, he goes, what had just entered my ears? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I said ear holes are important. Yeah. Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's been cool to listen to. Um really just uh uh seeing those reviews come in and people actually like getting where stuff comes from and you know getting the references or understanding like oh yeah that does sound like this and that's what i thought of it when we were writing it so and it's crazy that you can hear that as we wrote it you know yeah it was really fun it was a fun record to mix because you guys had added like the the girls from Australia and oh, yeah. horns and the strings and stuff like that. There was just so much to work with and so much to play with and to just to, to paint a picture with that, mm. you know, was, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love that. And, it, and when you, when you make a record, you know, when I do a TV show, it's like I show up for work and I do my thing and I really work that hard I have a lot of responsibility and I relate to the client and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I go home and it's done. Mm-hmm. You know? But when you mix a record, it's, it's hours and hours and hours of just not only digging into the music, but digging into yourself and figuring out how am I going to tell this story? How am I going to paint mm-hmm. this picture? Am I doing this right? Questioning yourself, having confidence in, Okay, now yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. You know, so it's a it's a a wonderful process, and um, I I love recording you guys, and I love mixing you guys. 
We love working with That's you, a, man. I, I've uh, answered that question a bunch of times yeah. in some of these interviews, which is basically like, how do you guys do records so fast? And it's like, if we didn't do records fast, we wouldn't get them done at all. Because <laughs> the only thing we know how to do is uh, meet deadlines when we have to. And then if we try to do it slower than that, we'd take a year to write one song. Right. We keep second guessing that thing until, you know, until you can't second guess it anymore. So done is better than perfect. And, you know, trying to figure out what the best version of done is, is um, been our struggle for the past however many records that we've been uh, flying a little more free with it. Well, and I think when you spend too much time on something, it loses spontaneity. So having a gun to your head a little bit is a good thing. Mm -hmm. It forces you to make decisions and to go, okay, this is the direction that this needs to go. And, and, you know, it, it, I think it's definitely beneficial to, to have a deadline. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's been good to uh, make it more of a team sport. I feel like as we've written this record and started doing more things, we're trying to figure out how to make it more, it's not someone bringing a song in. We just pitch pieces now. And then, you know, uh, we'll f- all finish something with Steve or I'll finish a piece mm-hmm. and then give it to Steve and Robert to get to done. Or we'll start uh, here. And then even uh, as we get more into the recordings and then putting on the finishing touches of things to actually trust other people to just go, you're the right person for the job. Uh, just get it get it done yeah and then we didn't we didn't ask anyone for any revisions and we put in everything that they use so it's really cool to do something like that yeah yeah and they did great the horn players did great that track sounds amazing yeah string players did great the singers were fantastic (laughs) um really added a dimension to the record that was really fun yeah we actually got to talk to them on the cruise again and they were like, oh, yeah, Miss Caroline is a great song. But the first thing we saw them, you know, because obviously we were like, thank you so much for singing on our record. And they uh, they were already, oh, yeah, we love that song. So it's really awesome to, you're like, what business do you have, you know, remembering our song that you sang <laughs> yeah. on that was a session, you know, four months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it was uh those three things uh, were definitely a new dimension to a, a new, the new record that we have out. I mean, uh, things that we we've, tr- I feel like we've tried to add before, uh, mm-hmm. but not in like the proper way, you know, yeah. like, like we we've tried to put background singers on records in the, in the past. We've, we've tried to have horns in the past and then they worked out great for what we needed them for. But I think that we finally, put the right people on the, the right songs that in, in the right, you know, in the right way to create exactly what we were trying to get from the past records for this record. Yeah. And and, you know, I mean, everybody in the band did backgrounds in addition to the girls and it was a really Mm -hmm. cool blend of just, you know, the, the vocal power on this record I think is, is pretty pretty great vocal power sounds like the great name of a band or like i don't know acapella um, hair metal band jim 
Yeah, it sounds like a, sounds like an acapella band that like Andy Bernard was in in the office. <laughs> acapella power. band, vocal power, More vocal power, Bro- vocal broccoli power. Rob. <laughs> yeah, it's called the band Vocal Power Station. <laughs> oh, there no, you we go. We can't do that. I have the Power Station LP in the other room, right? Power Station's a super group. Yeah, Power Station. The guys from Duran Duran, and then is it Tony Thompson? Robert yeah, Palmer. Tony Thompson and right. Who's the drummer? We just talked about Power Station on one of the podcasts because Henry played uh, one of the tracks from one of the guys. Robert, you... Yeah, it was Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer. Yeah, so it's Robert yeah. Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two guys from Duran Duran, and then Tony Thompson who played drums for Chic, and it was like a power, uh, you know, power band in the eighties. Jeff just went to go get the record, station, by the way. <laughs> He's going to show it to the class. Nice Power Station. Yeah, the Robert Palmer one was episode twenty nine, y'all. You don't remember episode yeah. twenty nine? Twenty nine. What episode are we on now? Thirty four. Thirty. This is thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow. That's it. like we're more than halfway to a year, right? Yep. Yeah. Fifty two. How much is halfway year. to a year? Twenty six. Twenty. Yeah. 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 That's good math. That's crazy. <laughs> I have not had the okay, math here it is. at all in the last little bit. It's been nice. Ta-da. That wasn't worth, maybe not worth the wait. But. Jeff is holding out the power seat. Nice. I know it's good chat, but it also goes to audio. So, oh nice! Well, this uh, is a uh, it's this medium where you have a round piece of plastic <laughs> and there's a stylus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. You mean the, you mean the sound the is in the grooves for all the millennials that listen to our music for the millennials? Yeah, <laughs> vinyl records they're so groovy. Uh, but yeah, it was because uh... because of the because of the grooves. <laughs> yeah. That's why I call my place Sonic Groove Studios. Yeah, yeah. Just because you got a record that has a groove, don't make it in the groove. Something like that. Right? Stevie Wonder? Uh, yeah. Sir Duke? Exactly. Yeah, nice. I got you, bro. Thank you. I'm here all this, this record has nipples on it, by the way. Ooh. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. He's nipples. I'm listening now, Jeff. Okay. I got His nipples. Nipples on made me. out of red lightning, it looks like. That's rad. That's hot. All right, Jeff, is there anything else you want to say on your first inaugural episode of the Robert John the Wreck podcast? No, I mean, hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks and, for uh, joining us, man. Thanks for letting me be a part of your sound. That's I'm really honored. These guys are um, amazing. I've worked with a few people in my career, and it's uh, I'm honored to work with you guys. Well, we're no Steve Harvey, but we try our best. <laughs> you sound better than Steve Harvey. We're, we're, we're very honored and happy to have you as well, Jeff. Yeah, brother. Yeah, and, yeah uh, thanks for the I, I don't know why it's taken us this long to have you on the podcast, but I'm very happy that it, it happened, and hopefully it happens sooner in the future than later. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do a live performance from here with you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Let's do it. You're invited. Cool. You're allowed to when say things it. Things are safe enough for uh, a small group of us to get together. Come yeah, here and we'll do a performance for your uh, live on the internet. Absolutely. That would Sounds be great. great. Sounds great. Sounds great. Cool. All right. Does anyone have a pick? I got um, a pick right here. Woo. Uh, I don't. What I mean, kind of uh, did we? Now you have to, now you have to recommend we? it to people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is made by my friend uh, Greg Atkin in Anaheim. And it's the uh, strumandcomfort.com. Ooh. The Kodiak. Yeah, I got a couple of those, uh, I think. He gives me a couple of shows, right? 
yeah, he's come to a couple of our shows, uh, and he gives me these in giant bags of like a hundred picks, and I just love them. They're great. They're you know nice. low profile and shreddy, and yeah, nice. You say Strum and Comfort? Yep, Strum dash N Comfort or Strum dash N dash Comfort dot com. Awesome. I don't know man. if you can. I think I have one of those here that you oh, yeah. like. Oh yeah. <laughs> you probably do. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Right, we did a pick for the pick. <laughs> yeah, what do we? Yeah. Uh, what do we have coming up? We have a photo contest on Instagram. Um, yep. that if you guys, uh, if you guys hashtag Get Wrecked Twenty Twenty on any photo that you've taken, either of yourselves or of us at shows at our shows, um, we're going to be giving away two uh, pre-order packages on May first. And uh, so you have from now until May 1st to hashtag away, and we're going to pick uh, two lucky winners to receive uh, free pre-order packages of the new record, Last Line on the Highway, which is very exciting. Woo! So, hashtag get wrecked 2020. Yeah. You can pre-order the new record. Uh, when does the record come out again? May 9th? May 8th. 8th. Friday, May 8th. May 8th. I'm spreading misinformation. It'll be out May on the 8th, Friday, well. May 8th. Yeah. Uh, and you can pre-order those packages on robertjohnontherec.com. Mm-hmm. Requested on planetrock.com. Requested Request on French away. radio. Requested where all radio airplay <laughs> is being presented. Mm-hmm. Requested on your local United States radio. Yes. Yeah. Tell the people. They need to know. Tell Share them. it. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep being safe. Keep getting wrecked. Keep washing your hands. Try to shower every couple of days. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later, everybody. Cheers. Bye, everybody.